Welcome to Calendar vs. the Machine. My name is Kyle. And I'm really small or mm. really big, Kyle. Which one is it? Who can tell? And I'm the machine. This is a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. That year just so happens to be 2018. The biggest year of movies. Movies, movies. Yeah. The machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to, although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're going to be watching the film Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, how long have you been Ant-Man again? Not long. It just sort of happened. I wish I could fight bad guys like you. I seem to mess it up almost every time. Maybe you just need someone watching your back. Hi. Like a partner. Dr. Pym, I actually heard what happened to you. You opened up the quantum realm. That's when this crazy could be ghost who like walks through walls and stuff. Stole your tech. And now she wants to take over the world or whatever. Who would have believed that in your hour of need, you would turn to us? Not me. It should have really come out before Endgame. I mean, before Infinity War. So, yeah, I'm, that would have been a good let's, let's forget the rest okay. of this intro okay. for just a second, because yeah. I agree with you, even though this actually started shooting after Endgame. So that would have been or sorry, uh, after um, Infinity War. Impossible. So that would have been literally impossible. But in a different world, I think this would work better pre that movie and you don't yeah. know why they disappeared yeah how shocking would that have been and right? be like, wait what the fuck like did they get evaporated did they get killed like what is happening why are they ash and then all then, of infinity war you don't see it until the very end anyways that's right perfect we are not kevin feige <laughs> so we, we don't know what we're I mean, talking we don't, about we don't run a multi-billion dollar enterprise dave people tune into this podcast of course to hear our thoughts and opinions on the mcu and other superhero related media oh yeah but they also tune in to hear our deep and rich fiction that we build upon each and every week each morsel that we give them uncovers Ooh, a new plot nugget. thread that Oh, that right. was uh, hitherto unknown wow. amongst the listenership. This week, yeah. Just so that you know, everyone, this literally is off the dome. So none of that probably made <laughs> sense as I continued my sentence. Let's work in. Yeah. Just keep, keep pushing Sometimes forward. Sometimes you just say words and hope they all come together at the end. <laughs> I do want to say that I am probably the first person in 30 years to say hitherto. Uh, <laughs> at least in casual conversation, yes. All I'm saying is that yet last week we were en enshrined, we were encircled by a host of other people that we have seen throughout our podcast adventures. We have uh, DDS DDS that's outside of our window. We have mm. the truck driver who drove us into the woods from last season. Call we have catalog. Uh -huh. the spaceship that we flew on i don't know we have a lots of people and yes. things that are so many things us. have happened memorable things <laughs> super <Yeah>. memorable <laughs> things and we've just been hanging out for the last week i don't know they just keep staring at us they just don't they don't seem to be moving in or doing anything what uh what do you think their ultimate motive is here dave hopefully nothing sexual because uh <laughs> wow. I, just, I don't have the stamina there's just too many participants well let's hope it is uh always consensual and always sensual. That's what I'm hoping. I think I'm getting stupider. So that was not a 
entirely a waste of time. Dave, we are talking about... <laughs> you brought it up. We're like on a, we're on a stopwatch and you had to I go know. with the deep and rich Dave, fiction. I don't. we are here to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp. So this is, we had three, I guess, mainline MCU movies of 2018. We mm. talked about Black Panther really early in our season. We just yep. talked about Infinity War, Infinity War last week. Yeah. This is the yeah. third one that came out just a couple of months after the huge revelations that Infinity War gave us. So I think we should take some time and just look back at our history with this character, the set of movies. So the Ant-Man movies, this is a general feeling. What do you feel about the Ant-Man movies? I, I like them. I think, I don't know if I like the movies or like Paul Rudd. So I think it's I, that you like Paul Rudd personally. Yeah. I just, I find him endearing. And I think these two, and not the third piece of shit that came out, these two were designed intentionally to play to his uh, strengths as a comedian. So uh, we get just oddball, uh, awkward, nice guy. So, you know, it's fun to watch him. The first movie is structured better than this one, to my recollection. From my recollection, I like this one more, though, and I don't know why. But only slightly. Well, honestly, I think it's uh, because of the truth serum. <laughs> it's like, such a good bit. I mean, it's a it's old school bit. Again, you and I are so aligned on that third one, just being the huge piece of garbage. But like, <laughs> man, what a miss not to bring all the secondary characters from I this know. movie back. Like, they're like that's kind how they, of the reason why you go to these movies. Yes, that's how you know they fucked it up because they dumped everything that actually worked and decided why not put Bill Murray in this movie? Like, fucking yeah. weird. I mean, and I love Why? Bill Murray, but like, what is he doing? What is he Awful. doing? Awful. Although you could maybe make that same argument for Michael Douglas in these movies too, which is like, well, you have better talents than just being old guy sitting on desk. They approached everybody at this point because everybody's getting a fat paycheck. I'm just surprised. I know, Harrison Ford's going to be in the next one, so. Yeah, Robert Redford. I just, I'm just surprised he said yes. And I bet there was no intent for him to continue into the sequels until they realized no. he's pretty good. <laughs> fun fun fact, Dave, he was only signed on for one movie. Yeah. And they had to kind of kindly ask him to come back. You can kind of see it in this one. I mean, I feel like, not that he's disinterested, but you can tell that he knows there's no writing underneath his character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel lukewarm. Like, I don't hate them. Yeah, Just the and I think yeah. I do hate them, <laughs> and but I love Paul Rudd so much that it's, he's able to elevate material to such a degree for me. And Michael like, Pena is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael yeah. Pena, I agree. Michael Pena, and uh, what's his name? Daniel Dashmont, or the tall, lanky guy in this movie who's like showing uh, up in like everything that I watch. Uh, the guy from the from the Batman movies, like the yeah, weird. He's in the Batman oh, movies. Yeah, he's yeah, also yeah. in the Suicide Squad. He that's, yeah, was that's in right. uh, Oppenheimer for five seconds. Like he's in a bunch of stuff. He's good. He's a good character actor. Yeah. This is from what I remember because I was like, of course, reading up on it and keeping up to date with all the news that was coming out. Uh, for those of you who may not know, Edgar Wright was supposed to make the first Ant-Man movie. Would have been good. Got pretty far good. along the production process, and then they parted ways, basically because he wanted to make a movie, and <laughs> MCU wanted it to fit into their wider universe. And this is me reading between the lines, to be honest with you, but it, that's kind of what it sounds like. He just was not interested in trying to work it into what everybody else was doing. He's like, I just want to make my movie that I want to make. He wanted to make something fun. Yeah, and uh, what he, he's really good at making fun films. For sure, I would still have loved to see what that Edgar Wright movie would have been. Ultimately, don't you, don't you feel like a lot of it's in the first one? Well, he still has a writing credit, so they went off his yeah. script still. 
there's, for sure. There's some of it, yeah. But visually, that is not an Edgar Wright movie no. in any shape or yeah. form. But they bring on Peyton Reed, who is a steady hand, who knows how to work with bigger budgets. The biggest one people will probably know him from is Bring It On, although I personally would know him best from Down With Love. That is what he is known for before he's brought mm-hmm. on to this movie. Ewan McGregor? That's right. Great, great movie that should have been a musical. That's my only like small nitpick it's on that not? movie. Wait, what? Yeah, they never sing in that movie, although they should. <laughs> they, they dance? Basically should be a musical. Yeah, it should be a musical. That first movie does fairly well. This movie comes out, does better. And the third one is a piece of shit. But, that, but that's only because a couple things happened where, I don't know if it was all the cast. It was definitely Paul Rudd. I'm pretty sure Peyton Reed. I'm sure Evangeline Lilly too. We're basically complaining like, why are we never, why are we doing these solo things over here that never seem to be into the wider world? And they want to have like this big galactic mission that like pushes the narrative forward. And again, wrong choice, Stupid. I think, to yeah. do that in the third Ant-Man movie. They didn't understand their niche. Their mm-hmm. niche was to make, I think Edgar, Edgar Wright probably understood understood this to just make a sidebar comedy yes you know and ant-man is i know he's like one of the original characters it's such a stupid character in principle ultimately it, i mean ultimately it is a character who can shrink like that yeah. is really basically at the at the heart of it that is what this character is it's a famous yeah. scientist who figured out how to use molecules mumbo jumbo he can shrink Pin particles whatever the yeah. fuck that is yeah from the comic books i only know the hank pym version yes. of ant-man I don't really know the Scott Lang version, which is, he's in the comic books too, but I never read those. Or he, I guess he never showed up in comics that I read. That's all to say here. I do have a bit of a theory that you shot down in text message that I sent this to you oh, while yeah. watching it this time. And I'm, I'm going to try and lay it out here for you, mm-hmm, which is when the me. first Ant-Man movie comes out, they had not yet made the deal with Sony to allow mm-hmm. you to use Spider-Man in their big the narrative MC. arc that they were working on. And I think that what Kevin Feige was suddenly trying to do was, was like, well, I can't do it with the Hank Pym character, but Scott Lang can kind of be that Peter Parker character in that it's street level characters. He isn't going on big, massive missions. He's just staying in one city the entire time. And we're going to keep him being our street level hero inside the Marvel universe no. rather than worrying no. about him becoming part of like, something bigger he can be quippy he can be funny he's an insect (laughs) buzzer 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 i think i think they were trying to push him being like the spider-man thing it's just too hot you know and you're like heat stroked watching this stuff on your (laughs) laptop in your house i they're both insects that's the only crossover that's it spider-man's mythology this is why i hate the daddy issue in Avengers. Spider-Man's mythology transcends the Avengers. They needed him to join the Avengers in the comic book just to save the fucking comic book. Like, he's just, he's bigger than the MCU, in my opinion. Sure. Ant-Man, I think, is fan service because he's one of the original, like, he's an old school character. He was the original Avenger. He was one of the originals, as far as I remember. That's the only reason they brought him. And then when they're writing it, and maybe when Paul Rudd gets in, they're like, Paul Rudd is not going to go nerd scientist paul rudd needs to be goofy burglar so that's got to be the only reason they went that way in my opinion yeah i wouldn't suspect that they were smart enough to know they needed a time heist and have a hank pym exist in the 1960s i don't know like can we give them that much credit maybe this is also a thing that i don't even say this as a bad thing necessarily because of course rights issues and stuff change and they were trying to write this with what they had, and then th- those plans change over time with people who were cast, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, if this was something that they had like 
firmly planned and was like set in stone at the very beginning, you would think that the name Hank Pym would have shown up before the first sure. Ant-Man movie was released. <laughs> He's kind yeah. of important. In the end. Yeah. yeah. He becomes a very central character. But They should have cast Kirk Douglas. I have written down here just like quickly, what are your opinions of Paul Rudd? Like why, why does he stand out to you? Not just in this movie, but oh, other movies know. he's been in. He's just funny. You know what I like about him? He is intelligently dumb. Like he knows exactly what he's doing when he hams things up. And he's so calm delivering the dumbest lines in com- comedic history. And I know like I... I'm not a fan from him from Clueless because I didn't watch that, but it's from the Will Ferrell okay. movies, right? Wow. No, because no, he was metal? like famous already uh, in a, what is that, like teen, mm-hmm. was he a teen? He's not a teenager in that film. No, but he's like I, college well, he's probably like early love interest. 20s in Clueless. Yeah. He is also, when he was at the beginning, that was very near the beginning of his career. He's also in one of the worst Halloween sequels. Like, <laughs> like awful it's one of the few movies i've given half a star to on letterbox like it's so <laughs> bad but you know he's at the beginning of his career he has to get a job i don't i don't yeah, blame yeah, him I, for it i mean if that's his break uh, yeah. if that's how he got clueless um <laughs> no but when he reemerges with will ferrell and starts doing all of his uh like anchorman's probably where i got closest uh sorry first introduced to him and then uh and then the whole bit with conan o'brien and uh oh yeah the- that that oh, is, is a Marley lot. Me or how I know hilarious. it's Mar. It's no, it's not Marley and Me. It's something. Oh, that's a dog. God, it's it's a the stupid alien movie from the eighties. Yeah. It was an E. T. ripoff <laughs> that he played every single time he came on Conan. So good. every single time, and it's you I know what? Commitment. Every time I knew it was coming, and it still surprised me. <laughs> I don't know how we <laughs> did discipline, it. Discipline, right? Yeah. It's like the Jimmy Kimmel Matt Damon thing. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. is that's a lot of work to keep that kind of shit running. He also has. Did you ever watch Between Two Ferns with Zach Galifianakis? The yes. Like, YouTube shorts. He has one of my favorite all-time improv quips. I can never remember what the exact setup is, but it's like Jesus was Jewish and he didn't hide it. No, he he put it out there for everybody to see. He's one of our best. You you practicing? No, I'm not a practicing Jew. I perfected it. <laughs> it's so funny. But he's very handsome, isn't he? A very handsome man. Yeah, that's, and that's he hasn't the thing. aged in 20 years. And, yeah, uh, he's one of those guys. He's aging very well. Mm-hmm. But he's like handsome and dorky at the same time. It's yes. great. It's a great conversation. So, uh, sorry, it's a great combination. He's a handsome dork. So, uh, yeah, what's not to love? And he knows he leads into it. You know, he's never trying to front. Even with the Marvel body, he's not out taking beach shots for promotional no, videos. No, he's not. Right? He's just like, uh, whatever. I'm here. <laughs> I did it. It's fine. Let's go back on Conan and watch this dumb clip. <laughs> this right? dumb so. clip for the 95th <laughs> time. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, uh, so I like him. I like yeah, him a lot. Good, yeah. good, uh, good person to have around. Mm-hmm. Seemingly. Maybe he's an asshole. We'll see. Honestly, so again, I am very tangentially related to the Calgary film community. And for those of you who don't know, the last Ghostbusters movie was filmed here in Calgary. Mm-hmm. And I have talked to multiple people who worked on that film and actually one of his assistants, apparently lovely man is the, but I don't know if I should say this story, but I'm going to anyways, there is definitely the persona of Paul Rudd and the real Paul Rudd behind the scenes where he's very quiet, kind of shy, doesn't say anything. But like if there's fans or someone is there, he's like, Hey, like he's doing his like thing. As soon as they go away, he's like, shuts that down. It's like, I just... (laughs) Just need to leave me be alone. centered in myself here. But I get it that when fans come up to me, I have to kind of be the Paul Red that they expect me to be. Yeah, you gotta you gotta ham it up. 
Yeah. He's good. I love uh, Michael Peña. I love that Michael Peña's character acting career does everything from hard, hardline gangster yeah. to like total goofball comedy. Like he can do all of it. It's great. Michael Peña is so much more talented than I think Hollywood even understands. Um, no. I would even say that, I mean, Paul Wright has certainly found his niche that he gets into. Mm-hmm. I think that I would love to see him do at least one like steve carell type maneuver where he does do just a straight on drama and just see how it goes because i think he could do it paul rudd yeah 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 paul uh or like a robin williams you know when he would do like a like a really heavy drama yeah yeah. he's in dramedies but like i mean like there's no comedy in this we are just being dramatic here now presumably although i i do think the comedians that have been successful at that are the ones with the largest demons so true enough yes yeah Yeah. like you gotta pull that from somewhere so maybe not i don't know he seems to be having fun (laughs) he has no demons Just ghosts. Um, all right. Well, we are have stalled long enough. Let's get into our conversation here about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Do you remember? That's us. The only chance we've got is both of you. Ant-Man and the Wasp teaming up. Follow my lead. She seems... More intense. You go low, I'll go high. I have wings. Why would I go low? We're gonna die. I don't wanna die. Why is it called Ant-Man the Wasp? This is a great question, Dave. Um, I <laughs> actually have that written down here in my notes. <laughs> because, like, I get it in theory. There is a long-running comic book called Ant-Man and the Wasp. So okay. they're pulling directly from source material. Yeah. Uh, definitely Peyton Reed and Evangeline Lilly both pushed for the Wasp character of Hope Van Dyne to, to have a bigger yeah. role. Yeah. Does she in this movie? I don't think so. Personally, well, she, she's she the kicks setup, more but she doesn't really have any character arc through this. No, it's poorly written for her. I know. I, you know, with all the controversy of uh, her feelings about Quadra, no, that's about the whose album Quadrophenia? Yeah, Quadramania, Quadramania. <laughs> I was watching this one and I was thinking, is she a good actor? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I of course know Evangeline Lilly from Lost. That's basically where I first saw her from. I don't know if she's ever like popped on mm-hmm. screen for me um, mm-hmm. i wouldn't go so far as to saying she's a bad actress i just no, don't no. i don't know if there's just enough presence there in a, in a film i don't know if that's too mean to say but yeah, she just looks kind of miserable i don't know to be yeah. abundantly fair at least within these films you're given you're acting Nothing. across from paul rudd who kind of just has his own <laughs> dynamism and michael douglas who's like one of like the most robust filmographies even if he didn't see a line it's like well that's michael douglas he's doing yeah, some yeah. stuff in here and they're like you know what? we're gonna bring somebody in michelle pfeiffer right. like, fuck <laughs> fuck right? like maybe like 10 lines in this movie it's like well she did it she knocked yeah. it out of the park again <laughs> We need a character actor. Let's bring in the greatest character actor of all time to run one of the funniest bits. And anyways. Uh, anyways, Dave, you know, we have to come up with a scenario to let people know what this uh, movie okay, is okay. about. Okay. 
So um, you go out onto your deck one day, and lo and behold, what do you see there but a hornet's nest? So, of course... The hornet was the first movie. Yeah, or is it the wasp? Oh, okay. You see yeah. a hornet's nest, and you call for the exterminator to come, and they do show up with their like little smoke and like net that they have to, to yes, use to capture yes. all the buggies. And he's just chatting you up. He's just trying to, <laughs> you know, do his soft skills and like get to know you as a person. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, by the way, I just got this on DVD, and he hands you a DVD copy of Ant-Man and the Wasp. He's like, what's, what's it about? How would you answer mm-hmm. him? We rejoin Ant-Man version 2 Scott Lang as him and Ant-Man version 1, and they're his daughter, the Wasp, I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, decide that they've got to cross into the quantum realm to save the wife and the mother. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even introduce the ghost. I thought she was a moth, you know, when she first appeared. Sure. I was like, is she a moth? I love the ghost character, again, in the comic books. I think that's a really interesting, oh, that's a re- oh, okay. it's a real character that they're pulling from. Okay, okay. I think he's done a bit of a disservice because I don't know if she needs to be in this movie mm. specifically. But more, more, more on that later, perhaps. Uh, mm. What were your thoughts on this rewatch? Uh, I mean, uh, look, I still have fun watching this movie, but I think I have watch. Uh, I have fun watching it as bits that could be YouTube clips. Like, yeah, the truth serum. I love Randall Park in this movie. Oh, uh, yes. Fuck, man, he's so funny. Do you know he has a movie coming out that he directed that I'm actually interested in seeing? Anytime Paul Rudd appears on the screen, you're ready to chuckle. Like, it doesn't matter. He mm-hmm. can do a dramatic uh, action sequence. And you know he's going to have a quip. And uh, you and I have realized how much we obsess over Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, it doesn't matter what she does. We just want to see more. Yeah. Paul Rudd as Michelle Pfeiffer was fucking hilarious, too. Come Great. On. So... <laughs> Just a few things from what you said there. Not to spoil the lead here, like, I'm fairly tepid on this movie. I've never been a big fan of any of the Ant-Man movies, to be honest. The only thing that gets it past, like, uh, I don't know, the sniff test is just, like, I do enjoy Paul Rudd and some of these other supporting performances. And then it gets into, like, the action stuff. I'm like, I'm very so not interested in what is going on on screen here. But I think a better movie, which would not be made by Marvel, but just, like, a separate movie, is just Randall Park and Paul Rudd on a road trip. And it's like... That's a movie that I want to watch. Like right now, I would go and watch that movie. Michelle Pfeiffer, at whatever age she is, 60 something probably at this point with white hair, is like, she is still gorgeous to me. I think she's so beautiful. I know probably has head work done and whatever, whatever. But still, beautiful woman, even in her 60s. Oh, and Lawrence Fishburne shows up and is like, yeah, Yeah. it's uh, nice to see Lawrence doing some stuff. He's got the, he still has his gravitas and Mm -hmm. he plays well with it. So it's like, it's kind of, it's such a weird movie. It's, you know, there are all these pieces where you know it could be better. But then, I, I don't know if it's Peyton Reed's fault, because the movie's still long, but the editing is fucking terrible, man. Like, they cut between scenes. Like, it's some of it's quite I jarring. I believe I, that they cut out just massive amounts of scenes. Because, yeah, this movie yeah. clocks in at, like, 145. Like, it is not long. I thought it was 202. Well, that's what it is on Disney, but like 15 minutes of that is credits and yeah, yeah, okay, and that's like fair. Yes, in China and, and in like every country in the world that they go by. Yeah. But I think this is also a problem with any film that is like the direct follow up of any Avengers film. I think this has happened mm-hmm. every single time because after Endgame, you get like Spider Man Far away, uh, Far from Home, and it's like I don't know, like this feels like such a like deflation from from what it is. And I I get like their reason is like, hey, we have to like pull back so that we can like go full forward, but it just feels like it has so much to live up to 
by having like yeah. the biggest movie in the world of that year and like and this is our next entry and it's time crimes like i don't know yeah. it's like not exactly the most thrilling thing in the world i think that i mean i think this does fall on paint read for a bit of it which is i just don't think the action sequences are really conceived all that well and i don't really think the special effects hold up all that much in, in this movie too something no. that we did praise back in infinity war so it's not like yes. they didn't have the abilities to do this yeah and this one more than the first one you know i am totally down with shit comic book science but this one's like oh we've got a a f- giant hard drive floppy disk is the key to this mm-hmm. machine you know like oh we gotta flick these 1960s flickers to turn on the pumps like uh, it just gets to the point where i don't care and then when they do too much of this space size shift fighting like why does this hot wheels car when it shrinks down outpace a regular car on a right. road you know like little things like that really start to stand out because uh, like I, it makes me anyways stop believing that this fight works at all and uh you know we could get into all those nuances of like what is time experience like when you change your metabolic size you know there's a scene yeah, where I mean, she dances around like, knives like that, that kind of stuff doesn't really bother like the the him becoming big or small and how that affects his energy whatever yeah you can ha- i can hand wave that away to a certain extent i think the first part there that you said is absolutely true it's like well if you're smaller then how is this going the same speed uh my thing that kept bringing me in and out of it is the buildings that they would shrink down yeah for two reasons one this is a nitpick that i'm not going to spend too much time Plumbing. on it doesn't matter but it's like but wouldn't the mass be the same anyways yeah. it doesn't matter yeah. so they can pick it up that's fine but it looks so cheap looking <laughs> like it looks like it's just a plastic thing that they're holding in their hands and i'm always thinking too it's like but there's people inside that building that you're chasing yeah, and throwing they, through windows yeah. and like they would be <laughs> splattered like they, yeah. there's no way that they would be alive after uh, all this tumult well, that, that they're going through this machine is so delicate an ant goes in to pull plugs out of it but then mm-hmm. when it's in a box yeah they're like literally throwing at each other and everything's fine inside pristine and then the uh, the last thing is this is more so at the very end where it's like their dream house they go onto the beach and make big it's like what's the plumbing situation like in this building how do you poop in there no it just that kind of stuff the vehicles i can get behind but like the buildings (laughs) is like i don't know i don't think i can get into this i can't wait to hear the rest of your stupid nitpicks what's that the bad guys fine he always plays like an unhinged walter cowboy. goggins who yeah. oh sorry walton walton goggins great character actor too love yeah. when he shows up this is a, honestly like character actor the movie honestly yeah. because it's it like should have worked because who's the other there's another person that shows up for like five seconds uh, Let me see. I think oh I wrote uh the big italian dude uh Oh yeah, Bobby Cannavale. That's Bobby who it is. Cannavale. Right. Yeah. Oh, and he's good in this movie too. He's hilarious. Peyton Reed must be the biggest Broadway fan, <laughs> and I only bring this up. I should rewatch like the first Ant Man movie just to see if he does something similar. Bobby Cannavale is known because he he goes back and forth between stage and screen. The the ghost's dad that gets shown what for five seconds in, mm-hmm. in a little flashback is Michael Cerverus. Tony award-winning actor who plays oh. Sweeney Todd on Broadway, who has had this massive career. Like, why is he in this for five seconds? I don't get it. <laughs> oh my god, you're such a nerd. I know, Maybe but it's, just like, it's so for weird. <laughs> it's so weird when you get something like that massive, and it's like, oh, uh-huh. put him in for five seconds. It's kind of the same thing if you ever watch a Spider-Man Two. Uh-huh. Alfred Molina, his wife is Donna Murphy, like another like 
long-running Broadway actress, highly esteemed. Well, she's <laughs> good in it, though. She's great in it, but yeah, at least she has she scenes has that lines. she gets to do. That's right, yeah. It's cute. Uh, it's held together by comedic bits and very good character actor performances. The story doesn't make any fucking sense. It doesn't, and no. After watching Endgame, after watching Infinity War, and Paul Rudd comes out and he's like, oh, I spent five years but it was five hours or whatever yeah. you're like oh this time thing has gotten very it's not good it's well, not good no because why is she extra, aged yes so that extra doesn't make sense because she no. ages in there this is kind of my biggest gripe i guess with this movie that i think a better filmmaker would have figured out or at least a better scriptwriter would have really delved into i'm gonna make a, a an analogy that i know for sure is a dave you have never seen uh and most everyone out there has not seen but there was a reboot of the outer limits that was on tv in the 90s very much like a twilight zone right it's an anthology series different actors and everything every episode telling like this one very small story the one that always stays in my mind weirdly enough started started david hyde pierce as this inventor guy who was going into like prisons okay and the idea was like you put on these goggles and like this little system and they experience 30 years of their sen sentence in a snap right mm. they just go in and they experience it and then they come out reformed well wouldn't you know but he gets put into his own machine <laughs> i know that's a shock that, that you didn't see coming but what? that he experiences 30 years in prison and he comes out like this is terrible no one should ever go into this like he like is like this is deeply wrong technology mm -hmm. that we should not have developed and now that i've experienced it like there this is a no-go and it's carried right, right away as a, a crazy person i feel like this there should be something i'm not saying they yeah. have to come back as a crazy person but something needs to have fundamentally changed in their character and their nature if you've been stuck with tardigrades for yeah. five years there's yeah. something that's going to change about you as a person well i mean michelle i know they tried to broach this with quadramania but right. then they invent this entire universal ecosystem that Paul Rudd is not a part of when he's stuck in there. Correct. So that that's a very awkward thing in hindsight. I also hate catch-all, fix-all superpowers. Like, why does she come back with E.T. fingers? Right. And reestablish, like, why isn't that a power she just gets to have in uh, Endgame or in Quadra? Phobia Quantumania, by the way, you, you keep saying it wrong. But. It's like, wh whatever, whatever the next uh, garbage film comes out, she's pretty much powerless. It's weird. I, th I just feel like this thing's patchworked at the end. And mm -hmm. uh, to your point, you know, maybe Kevin Feige is like, no, we're not giving you any more money. You need to push this fucking thing out. You got to squeeze it out. And uh, we're cutting it down because we don't want this to seem more important than anything to, else. To, so. to me, to, to be brutally honest, I don't think Kevin Feige's ever cared about Ant-Man. No. To any real extent, like you, these have always felt at least the first two as just like yeah. forgotten children <laughs> inside the whole MCU. It's like, yeah, they're doing their adventure, but you know, we'll bring them in if we need to, and we need to burn off one of uh, Paul Rudd's uh, movie <laughs> that he right. signed uh, off on, so we'll yeah, be yeah. in this movie, I guess. So <laughs> I think the patchworkness of it is just so evident. Uh, when we get to the backstory here in just a second, you'll see like this has a ton of writers credited yeah. to it. So I can see they just floated around probably as different drafts. And then like, I guess we'll put these all together and try and make a story out of it. Cause I feel like when there's the, three separate stories that are trying to be told and none of them well in yes. this movie. Yeah. When, when the credits rolled and I saw f six, five or six writers, I'll five or to, six names. I was yeah. like, that means there were a lot more. <laughs> 
Right. You know, if at that point it's been passed around that many times, there's probably a lot of people that have touched this thing that uh, didn't get credit. Uh, at any rate, you feel it. It's disjointed. But it's not hateable. So, I mean, that's, that's just the, the power it's of like, good actors, right? I, I'm speaking as if I absolutely hate this and I don't really. It's just like, this is passable entertainment. I wouldn't be mm-hmm. like mad if someone turned this on. Right. But even within the MCU, if I was like, you know what? I want to watch an MCU movie tonight. I'm never going to pick one of the Ant-Man movies for no. me. With the uh, superhero movies, you know, the Emerson test, he watched the whole thing. This is not the first time okay. he's watched it. He didn't sigh. He didn't leave. He didn't get his iPad. You know, it's like... He the didn't bits go are... like, but wait a second. How can they carry that building no, around? He, he says that about everything. But I'm just saying, uh, you know, it's paced well enough from a joke bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, everybody's groaning at some of the action scenes because just it feels wrong. So. The one positive, just, you know, comparing this to the third movie in the series is that it's not two and a half hours long oh uh quantum mania and uh, wakanda forever uh, we got a, we watched on streaming and both those films within 30 minutes emerson was making loud guttural sounds like and begging us wrist. to leave like, can yeah. we speed this yeah. up no i think i'm the only one that watched wakanda forever mm. i'm pretty sure helen and emerson left well you know what it needed it needed modok that's what that movie needed. <laughs> okay, the fact that they put that in, why Why would anyone think that was a good idea? Not that mm-hmm. we want to talk about that movie, but Kyle, like, it just goes to show how, not rotten, rotten sounds corrupt, like how uh, corroded the brain trust, so-called brain trust of the MCU is by that point. They're like, yeah, MODOK, let's just uh, peel what's-his-face's uh, uh, image, unless, mm-hmm. wait, was it AI? Was he not even in the film? Who knows? Maybe, maybe that's our new... Huh. Uh, Interesting conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory that we're going to start throwing out there. Okay, they took well, clips of him from House of Cards and they're like, we can make <laughs> MODOK out of this. Let's do this. Let's do some backstory here and then we'll uh, finish up some of these uh, things I've written down in my notes. But this movie opened up on July 6th, 2018. It is currently rated 3.0 on Letterboxd, has a 7.0 on IMDb, a 70 on Metacritic, and on Rotten Tomatoes, from 446 critics, it has an 87%. Oh, and from, much higher than I thought. Yeah, I know. From 25,000 plus users, it has an 80%. Available on DVD and Blu-ray, available for rent on both YouTube and iTunes, and you can stream it on Disney+. Plus. Dave, the budget to this movie uh, was apparently... I'm holding onto my seat. $195 million. What? what? <laughs> Which does not show up on the screen. I just want to point that out <laughs> for me. I got... I it know. looks like a late 90s movie in most of the oh, shots to me. And man. it's like, I don't know where this $195 million went. That's a lot of $100, $100 million. It's box office, though. This is worldwide is $622 million. That's mm, fine. Yeah. Not it's enough to that make that's it into the top like Not an impressive number anymore. <laughs> right? It's a billion. Yeah. It didn't make a billion dollars. What a waste of time. This made more than the first Ant-Man movie, but the third one made less than the first one. So uh, its plot description is, as Scott Lang balances being both a superhero and a father, Hope Van Dyne and Dr. Hank Pym present an an urgent new mission that finds the Ant-Man fighting alongside the Wasp to uncover secrets from their past. And I just realized when I did my shitty synopsis, I did not include the Wasp in the plot. I know. Because it doesn't feel like... not important to it. Yeah. But I I mean, that's one of the three competing plot lines I'm talking about. I think if that is a story you want to tell, I actually think that that's a compelling story to pursue. It's like, yeah, Yeah. let's go and rescue your mother. But that's really not what this movie turns out to be for the the majority of it. The majority of it is just quips and sarcastic remarks Mm -hmm. and an amazing uh, pantomime again. 
with uh, all the actors in Michael Pena's voice. All right, keep going. Let's play the game. Yeah, we're going to play the game. Guess, Guess that, that, that tag. Where's my notes? <laughs> just Guess leave that it tag. like that. No, no, just leave it like that. We don't have enough time, man. We'll just plow through it. <laughs> Guess that tag. All right. This is the time. Or C. Uh, this is the time of the show where I, on a handsome blazer, pick up the long microphone that Bob Barker used to use, and we play the game. Guess that tag, Dave. You go to the movie theaters probably like once a week. You salivate over those new posters that you see posted in the, the movie a lobby. What cinematic gems are going to be coming into my multiplex mm. here very soon? This week, you're probably going to take your son to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in Mutant oh. Mayhem. Is that this weekend? It's this weekend. Oh, maybe I will. I'll be there because it looks real fun. But we're talking <laughs> about this movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp. One yes. of these is the true tagline. Two of them are completely made up by me. So, Dave, was it the war continues? Was it... Big things come in small packages. Or is it real heroes, not actual size? Three. Real heroes, not actual size? Yeah. Did you pick that because it's the dumbest one? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, you're right. That is actually the oh, real tagline <laughs> to this movie. Because it also, like the title, has nothing to do with the movie. So that's great. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I don't even know what it's in reference to. Like I mean, I mean, the non-actual size. It, I guess it's a, a pun on small, but I, I, I don't know. It doesn't no, but make that's sense the thing. It's like the entire premise of Ant Man is that he changes sizes. So why would a tagline for a sequel reference? It's like, oh, Superman the movie is real super. <laughs> it's just stupid. The, the man has superpowers. For the next Anyways. Superman movie, the tagline should be, "He's also duper." <laughs> <laughs> oh, Someone God. out there is going to do it. All right, this stars Paul Rudd as Scott Lang slash Ant-Man, Evangeline Lilly as Hope Van Dyne slash The Wasp, Michael Douglas as Hank Pym, Michelle Pfeiffer as Janet Van Dyne, Randall Park as Jimmy Woo, and Hannah John Kamen as Ava slash Ghost. Two things I wanted to mention here. The Jimmy Woo character does actually feature very prominently in the comic books, too. There's like a, an entire oh. like comic book series that he's the, the lead of. Isn't is he a, getting a show? After Loki? Well, Randall Park showed up in WandaVision. WandaVision, sorry, yes. Yeah, and probably yeah. something that I stopped watching after... WandaVision's um, good, but... He, Moon Knight? I heard he's getting his own... Sh oh, was he in Moon Knight too? I don't know, I'm just saying I uh, stopped uh, watching, so if he's okay. been in anything after that, I have no idea no, if he's been in that. I don't think so. But I did hear, I thought I heard a rumor that he was taking the WandaVision and maybe getting his own spinoff. But you know what? Disney's fucked. They're off the rails. So yeah, it doesn't I don't matter. Think, All the, I think they yeah. basically have said that they are not doing any more TV shows. Like they're yeah. putting a pause on that, which is good. And uh, the, the reinstated for the second time, Bob Chapik, CEO, CEO of Disney, is like, we are now focusing on quality over quantity. That is what he has come out and said. Imagine. Which, imagine if that would be a premise for, <laughs> for a, a studio. Yeah. Although I also, he also came out and said that... Uh, you know, I don't understand what these writers are fighting for, but that's another tale for another day. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's a capitalist. It's maybe. Like he's a billionaire. Just yeah. maybe. Strange. The Strange. so there, there's that. I I pretty much endure everything Randall Park does. I think he's really talented. Um which will be fun. Uh, but the second thing I was gonna ask, this is something we talked about before. There is de-aging that is in this movie. And I wanted it's to ask you how actually, you thought it looked. Uh this one was actually pretty good. 
I think a Michelle Pfeiffer is easy because she looks exactly the same. <laughs> I was, I was going to say the same thing. She like it's easier to make her look younger. I think. And they did the right thing because they were de-aging her to be mom age, not uh, Grace right. to age. So it works well. And Michael Douglas, they did the thing where he looked okay and they don't put his face on the screen as long. They're, I think they were keenly aware yeah. that his his youthful Michael Douglas, uh, before he got sick, just embodied a different body structure. So Yeah, I think, I, I think that's always the, I think that's the hardest thing because I mean- Whatever movie is that Iron Man three where they do the de-aged Robert Downey Jr. I can't remember. Yeah, which awful. Yeah, when he's a teenager, bad, right? I remember yeah. in theater like, what the fuck am I looking at? Like, yeah. it was so off-putting. Um, it has been getting better. Also, he was better looking like when he was young than that fucking weird teenage. Robert right. Downey Jr. right well, this on. is yeah. this is kind of my point. Is that it's hard with like actors that we have had a long relationship with mm-hmm. because. I'm like, you know what? I know what young Michael Douglas looked like, and he wasn't that smooth either <laughs> back in the day. So, like, no. that's a little off-putting. He kind of looked like he does now since, like, even in Black Rain, which is right. <laughs> 1988 or something. I can't remember. But he didn't look young. He's never looked young. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, it's him and his dad. Both of them have looked, like, old forever. But he also, is like, is moving as an old man. So, it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, I know that this is an older person. It's the voice that throws me off. This is the same thing in the new Indiana Jones movie, which I think the de-aging looks okay it's not great but it's getting better and better every year mm-hmm. but it's like mm-hmm. yeah that's that, that that's a good approximation of what young harrison ford looks like and then he starts talking like oh that is old harrison ford <laughs> that's talking that is <laughs> not mean, young harrison like, ford get off my train yeah. yeah i don't care what age harrison ford is he can turn my crank anytime here's the next piece of information that you need to hold on to your seat because I'm, ready. The, I'm strapped in the cinematography for this movie was done by a one Dante Spinotti, uh, who whose top four on IMDb, his top four other movies that he did cinematography for are L.A. Confidential from 1997. What? The Last of the Mohicans from 1992. <laughs> the Insider from 1999. What? And the movie you just rewatched. Heat from 1995. What? So it's so like, he, what did they do to this man? He didn't so get something he, he that was maybe some a bit of the better. Most textured, graphic 90s, yeah. like uh, what do you call it, the vibey movies, and then he did a popcorn, right? Antimony. I mean, I'm sure he got no a good character. paycheck for this, but I'm just saying, like, when you get something like as textured as the those Michael Mann films, The Insider and Heat, it's like. What what are we doing here? What's do you happening? think he didn't do Collateral though? Because I was thinking I I how much that heat, up, but yeah, because he and Collateral. Well, it's Michael Mann too, and just lends. Uh, he just loves that uh, mushy mushy bouquet thing. But this thing looked like it was shot by like a Instagrammer. There's just something mm-hmm. cartoonish and right, like yeah. poppy about it. This was written by Chris McKenna, Eric Summers, Paul Rudd, Andrew Barber, and Gabriel Ferrari. Wow. So six people, Dave, it took wow. to write this movie. Based on the comics and characters created by Stanley, Larry Lieber, and Jack Kirby. Of course, directed by Peyton Reed. So we kind of talked about some of this. I'm not going to get into the whole backstory of the Edgar Wright fiasco, but 
living on paint and read. Reed has mentioned that it was slightly difficult to join a project that had already been in production. This mm-hmm. is for the first film. With this sequel, he felt he could make his artistic stamp a little better, and he has stated in interviews how much he loved the characters and wanted to explore a few different stories. This next paragraph completely taken verbatim from Wikipedia. So, on being the first MCU film to have a female character in the title, Reed called it organic, and noted that the Wasp's final line in Ant-Man, it's about damn time, as very much about her specific character and arc in that movie, but it is absolutely about a larger thing. It's about damn time. We're going to have a fully realized, very, very complicated hero in the next movie who happens to be a woman. Dave, do you think that they achieved that? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, you know, the whole time I was watching, I was thinking, why didn't they just call this movie The The Wasp? Wasp. I mean, if that was their intent, they should have made a movie called The Wasp. I, yeah, I might I don't have want it to that. make it sound like I am just saying, like, how ridiculous it is that a woman could, like, you know, no, center they a, need a superhero it. story. Yeah. But this is the, the type of, like, I'm going to say it, like, a liberal attitude that drives me up the fucking wall. Well, yeah. we put a woman in the title, and that's all we need to do. Isn't yeah. progress great? I'm like, well, it's you still the, need to make a good movie around them. I post a black square on my Instagram, so I'm with you. It's bullshit. You know, yeah. fuck, fuck all y'all. You know what sucks is that you don't even get the read that, that was the intent of this film. It's not even like they built her up and they didn't follow through because other writers or studio got involved. This movie was never set up correctly for her to be in the center of it. So that is a disingenuous and uh, self-aggrandizing statement, mm-hmm. I guess. This guy really wants to be yeah, an ally and he's uh, not done it. I don't want to read too much into it, but this really feels a bit backpedaling by Marvel in a bit because it's like they've been this dominant cultural force for almost 10 years in 2018 by this point. And DC is the one who releases the first like female led superhero film beats them to it. Wonder Woman comes out the previous year and and it feels to me as like, well, we'll we'll put the wasp in this film. Like that's kind of what it feels like to me. Let's make a Black Widow movie. Now it uh, should be stated. That the first film was a modest, modest success, budget of 170, and it brought in 519, that's a million dollars, got decent <laughs> reviews, although a small portion of critics and fans pointed out how much hope was sidelined in that story. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. creative team of this movie really wanted to fix that, thus making the title Ant-Man and the Wasp, a f- title borrowed from, from the comic book series. Now, October 2015 is when the movie is officially announced. It begins production in August of 2017. I want to point out that because the release date had already been claimed, like it was set in stone, that gave this 11 months to film, do special effects, and edit this movie together, which is a pretty quick turnaround for these types of films. Like last week, we talked about Infinity War, and that had 16 months from the time it started shooting to the time it was released. So this did have a bit of a more crunch to it. If it's conceptualized in 2015, it should have been better than this. Yes. But it had six writers, Dave, which makes it better. But if you had a three-year lead-up and you wanted to make a female-centered story, uh, this is an abject failure. (laughs) Because she's actually a stronger character in the first film. Yeah. You know, with all her tension of not being included and her needing to actually be the one infiltrating and her being the one who can beat beat Paul Rudd up, uh, she is a fundamentally stronger character in the first film, even though it's underwritten as a female superhero. And this one's just window dressing. They put her in a suit, but she does less than in the first film. She's completely inconsequential to any of the actual 
mm-hmm. uh, plot progression. So now, yikes, yikes. Talking about Infinity War and the Russo brothers who were directing that, they were in constant communication with Peyton Reed so that things would line up with the Avengers storyline that was going mm, okay, on. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I'm sure things were getting changed in real time for on that. The fly. Um, mm. Michael Douglas, whoa. Michael Douglas pushed real hard. You went Sean Connery there. Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas Douglas pushed hard for his wife, Catherine Zeta-Jones, to be cast as Mm. Janet. But it was Evangeline Lilly who wanted Michelle Pfeiffer. And so Lilly won that uh, contest because... Oh, it's hard. Michael Douglas isn't as important as he used to be. No, it's because you can't put Catherine Zeta-Jones on that screen and say they would have made Evangeline Lilly. (laughs) Come on. She's like a Welsh woman who looks like a s- Spanish bombshell. Right. You're not getting Evangeline Lilly out of that. I'm sorry. So it's just too much. <laughs> it's just too much. People's brains explode. He's like, no, I don't. No, not at I all. I feel like, I mean, I don't, I can't remember the last time I saw like a press photo of them together, but isn't Catherine Zeta Jones actually kind of tall? She's not a short woman. Quite tall. I think she is taller than Michael Douglas, too. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of. And they do have kids. I wonder what their kids look like. Isn't one of them. In a drama, uh, Kurt, no, what, Kurt, well, Kurt there, Dick, Doug- sorry, Michael Douglas had kids before he met Catherine Zeta-Jones, yeah, yeah, so there's yeah. that weirdness. Anyways. I think that's the one I'm thinking of. They were yeah. in a movie together. Yeah, there's the, the three Douglases, but that's yeah. not his that's son not with Catherine with, Zeta-Jones. Okay, okay. Yes. Kirk Douglas died at 103, Dave. He lived a long, long time. Yeah, well, you know, uh, he's Spartacus, so. I'm Spartacus. Anyways, okay, so Dave, anything you want to say else about this movie? No, it's good. We're on a time crunch, so we're knocking all of the salient points out. Uh, just in terms of Infinity War, this film does not have any kind of central theme or philosophy or no. kind of existential point. It's just fun window dressing, and if you take it at that level, it's actually kind of fun to watch. It has no presence. And it's too bad, because I don't like them puffing up their chest about being a women's rights film. It's just not that. It's not that, yeah. I mean, again, you can make that case for Wonder Woman. You cannot yeah. really make that case for this movie. No. And Wonder Woman is not a particularly good film. We forgot to talk about Ghost. I, th- I may be fittingly so. But, I know, but she uh, doesn't do anything. Yeah. A weak character. Creepy. Well animated, I well, guess. Anim- I will, yeah, that's the, yeah. where the special effects I think are really great. Uh, but you don't really get to know enough about her, and I don't. I think that casting was a little odd. Nothing against the woman; I'm sure she's a great actress, but I just felt I, we're tending too much towards uh, emo superheroes, and I just couldn't vibe. One thing that's always bugged me too about this movie, about the name of the character, is that they call her Ghost before she tells them her name is Ghost. And it always yeah. bugs me because they go to the, like the whatever the thing out in the woods and they're like, do you think Ghost is going to be here? And like, you don't know that's what her name is yet. Oh, she yeah. has not <laughs> said that. And then she tells them her name is Ghost in the, like the next scene. I'm like, they should just kept calling her Baba Yaga. And then it's John. Funny. I do. Up. I think that's that scene is pretty funny. That bit is hilarious. So oh. there's that. Um, I am very confident that there are certain scenes where none of those characters are, or none of those actors are on set at the same time. They keep doing like close-up <laughs> shots and banking yeah. around the room. It's like yeah. we have not yet had an establishing shot where all these characters are sitting in the same room. They and never I feel were like there. That's that, that's becoming more par for the course. I know, it I, just bugs me. You know what? The, you know what the real problem is, and I know that this is unfair. Actually, uh-huh. but they're like I've been rewatching a ton of Spielberg movies recently, and he is basically known as the master of blocking scenes. But it's like there's something to be said when it's like even a talking scene is happening, and it's like the camera pushes in, comes mm-hmm. back, goes over to see what they're looking at, comes back to them. I'm not saying that it has to be all done in one shot. But it's like I know that they're 
acting across from each other yeah. at the very least. You need a you need a visual narrative uh, mm-hmm. along with the dialogue and hopefully plotting that makes some sense. Uh, this is why me and art house films are not always best friends. But yeah, my right. uh, a lot of misses, a lot of misses. Um, last thing I have written down here in support of um michael pena plates absolutely do not belong on the top rack I right all i was yelling <laughs> i was like who, who puts a plate on top rack and helen's like well sometimes like you know we, we like the little side mm-hmm. plates if if you have an over like it, you've used so many plates <laughs> that the bottom rack is full and you have a couple of those like little side plates sure. fine right you can't just leave them in the sink mm-hmm. but they should never <laughs> never go straight to the top rack it's yeah. in the instructions i mean it's literally in the instructions <laughs> of the dishwasher i only put dishes in the top rack we're done here all right well the machine has said that we do have to wrap things up here dave so let's get into critics choice here this is the part of the show where we discover what the critics thought at the time this film was released so i'm going with the positive review although it's not like super positive this is from oliver jones from the observer if the previous film was a bubbly champagne cocktail of a superhero movie its sequel is something flatter and more concussive akin to a series of vodka shots bottom line though as long as Paul Rudd is invited, it's still a party. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's just fun to watch what people get paid for. <laughs> I'm disappointed we didn't get the New Yorker, which would have said something like, where are the ants? Uh, but we've got James Berardinelli Barad- from Real Views. Plotting, repetitive, replete with technobabble nonsense and lifeless action. This is easily the worst written of any of the 20 MCU offerings and maybe the worst all-around film featuring Marvel superheroes since Sony rebooted Spider-Man. What? I think, I don't know if this is true. I think he's talking about Amazing Spider-Man, the okay. Andrew Garfield one, I think is what yeah, he's referring fine. to. I might be okay with that, although uh, Thor Dark World, yeah. fucking terrible. <laughs> Come on. Right? Come on. Does this film hold up and is it still culturally relevant? Uh, no, no. 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 The no, comedy is gold. The comedy is gold. Yeah, I mean, again. I'll go to Pat with the comedy. Won't deny that there are some funny bits in this. So, Dave, we need to rate this film. But before we do, that's what Dave and I thought. What do you think? You can send any feedback to Kyle and Dave vs the machine at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram with the handle KDVSTM. If you want to see the entire list of films we've watched and the ratings we've given, you can go to our Letterboxd page, letterboxd.com slash KDVSTM. Let's get to the rating of this movie. Dave, out of five, what are you going to give Ant-Man and the Wasp? Uh, tough one. I I think uh, intellectually it should be like a 2.5, but I'm going to give it a three Ooh. only because I still laugh anytime they do a, a bit so I can't discredit that. It's not a good movie, but Kyle, I actually enjoyed watching it. That's a weird, that's a weird thing. Yeah, that's I mean, sometimes thing. that's true though. I mean, sometimes you, you can over-intellectualize something too. Uh, I am giving it a 2.5. Weirdly enough, this movie made me lower all of my Ant-Man movie ratings by 0.5. <laughs> all of them went down uh, so, to support, to make sense. Quantum Mania is a zero? <laughs> basically yes i know it's weird that i'm giving this a movie a lower than you but 2.75 like is what that's going to average out to dave is this better or worse <laughs> is this better or worse than green book the oh, best better. movie of the year <laughs> no better i would watch this before i watch green yeah book. i think i would too come on how about creed 2 creed 2 creed 2 is drago uh oh, the end of creed 2 is so dumb though 
It's a tough one. Uh, I guess I would Creed put it below is a better Creed movie. Personally, yeah, but Creed Two is a better movie. I just wish Stallone had just kept his pants on. Entering into our list at the new number seventeen position is Ant Man and the Wasp. That's right below Creed Two, right above Green Book. Basically, right in the middle of the list currently. That's um, fair. We should find out what we're watching here next week, Dave. Okay, Dave. Just to preface this, I know. Basically for a fact that this is the last superhero movie we're going to be watching for this season. Because <laughs> I am kind of superheroed out at yeah. this point. We're oh. going to be watching Aquaman. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, yeah, Your you wife's talk about bad favorite CGI. actor. Yeah. You want to talk about bad CGI? At least we'll watch good movies after this one? I Well, they're challenging movies. And they're movies that I quite like. Which probably means that Dave Young is going to be like, nope, not for we'll me. See. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right. Aquaman it is. Let's get ready to get wet. All right. Well, that's whoa. probably. You're actually like wet right now. What's going on? That's probably. It's actually really hot in this room. I can't wait to hear the rest of your stupid nitpicks.